listening to So Connected, a podcast for people trying to cultivate joy, purpose, and community in their lives. I'm Sarah. And I'm Catherine. Today, we are going to talk about one of the anchor themes of this podcast, joy. But before that, let's check in on how it's going. What are your highs and lows right now, Sarah? I'm good, Catherine. I'm in Malaysia. We made it. Yeah. yeah so you are at in the evening and I am in the morning. It's a little disconcerting to be on a different day than everybody else. We are just having such a good time. Our friends rented out this entire bed and breakfast in Malaysia, uh, on an Island off of the mainland. Oh, wow. And it's just so gorgeous. And I just can't even like Matt and Henry went to, I was working and, um, Tate was doing some homeschool stuff and, um, Matt and Henry went off to get breakfast and then Matt comes back with these bug eyes and he's like, there's a free breakfast buffet and it's more food than I've ever seen in my life. So we're just being so spoiled and it's just so fun to explore different cultures as you know, cause you love traveling too. And I'll share a second high instead of a low, which is just that I was really worried that the fast travel. Cause like we've been doing, we started with fast travel in June and July with our road trip and our mm-hmm. Island hopping. And then we moved into slow travel by settling into a place for two and a half months. And now we're back to the fast travel. And I was worried that it was going to cause things to fall apart. And I don't want to speak too soon. Cause we're only into like day four of the fast travel, but it could have been really awful given all the Mm. flights we've been on all the time changes, the differences in cultures, the waiting in immigration customs lines, like not having the food that they're used to, like it could have been awful. And instead of being awful, it has been like amazing just to have this time together. And our boy's humor is so funny to me right now. So we'll just be the four of us hanging out and laughing and joking. And I think it helps that we, our budget stretches so much further in a Mm. different country because Hawaii Mm -hmm. was so expensive. The boys would ask like, can we have a a drink with dinner? And I'm like, nope, water for everybody. And so I think Mm -hmm. it's like, you can, yes, you want a mocktail? Yes. You want dessert? Go for it. So I think that's also like helping them be in high spirits. So we're just having a lot of fun and it's really exciting to be here. That is so exciting. I'm glad it's going so well. And I'm sure that getting to say yes always feels like it helps with kids and (laughs) it's hard. How how many days are you on that island? For about a week. week. And then we had to Singapore for a couple of days and then we had to Bali for two weeks. Okay. Wow. So exciting. What about you? What are your highs and lows right now, Catherine? Uh, Nothing seems as exciting as that but things have been good at our house. I just really have been sort of leaning into this idea lately as I've been thinking about the seasons a lot and thinking about how fall is a time where things fall and go to winter, but also when seeds are planted. Um, I feel like we have planted so many seeds as a family to move towards being sort of emotionally healthier and more connected over the last few years with really investing in my own therapy and then investing in therapy now for Sydney and kind of doing some family therapy and just changing some of the ways we relate to each other. And so I just feel, I've just been feeling as I've been thinking about the the season changing and 
sort of just all the stuff that all the abundance that is in our lives right now and that all the shifts we have been making and all the seeds we have been planting. Um, I've just been feeling incredibly grateful for all of that lately. So that's my first high. And I have another high. Um, and that is that we took, we went as a family on Sunday to a local amusement park and Sydney has been like horrified slash slightly obsessed with carousels like her whole life since she was like two. And we used to like, when she was younger, this is like a good example of kind of what I was talking about. When she was younger, we used to kind of force her to ride them because she was obsessed with them, but she was really, really scared. And as we've sort of progressed in our understanding of trauma and support and secure attachment, we've now really focused on creating like a safe base and like letting her talk about and letting her, you know, fixate on and talk about the carousels, but then creating space for her not to have to do it if she doesn't want to, even though she's really interested in them. And we were there at the carousel and she was like, I don't want to go. And so she didn't go. We went and did a few other things. Like at the end of the day, she was like, can we go back and just look at the carousel one more time? We went back, we sat there, we watched it like five times going around different people going on it. And then she was like, you know what? I think I do want to do it. And you could tell she was like super scared. And I was like, I could come with you if you want. I could hold your hand. The whole family could go. So we all went on the carousel together and she was just like glowing with this sense of like pride and bravery and accomplishment. And so just to like recognize that kids, when they feel safe enough, they will want to explore the world. And that that is such a more gracious way, I think, to treat ourselves and to treat our children, to treat people in our lives um, than trying to force people into things. And so that just felt like a big win for her. She ended up staying on it and doing it like eight times. And the carousel guy was like, are you going to get off? And she's like, no, I love this carousel. And she like kept getting off and moving to a different horse and getting off and moving to a different horse. Um, And then she has just been talking about it nonstop since then. So that felt... um, really great in the moment. And also it's just like, I feel like a really strong, um, example of the kind of relationship that we've moved towards having. I have so many thoughts swirling through my head. I'm like, this is going to turn into a whole nother separate podcast episode. So maybe people will want to fast forward through what I'm about to say, but I have just want to respond and say like, one, I feel like the way we talk about independence in Montessori is off. And this may be how Montessorians, a lot of Montessorians understand it, but how it comes across in the world is like independence is the number one thing, but it's actually Mm. not. It's like having the self-confidence and the self-security and the self-efficacy to then express independence, like that soul centeredness, like that's the thing. And we kind of lose that when we talk so much about the independence and driving toward the independence. So I'm reflecting on that for myself as a Montessori mother and like mistakes that I've made along those lines Two, I'm thinking about how you said like, Oh, Sarah, you know, what you're doing is more exciting than what I'm about to share. And I'm like, no, like, let's not let this, like the flashy, like what I'm doing is like flashy. Right. And it's so easy to be like, Oh my God, that's so exciting. That's like what I want to be doing. And it's like, no, the work of like healing your family and being a healthy family. Like that's the, like, that's 
that's the thing we should be like holding up and really, I mean, in which you are, cause you shared it, but I just don't want that to be out overshadowed by any, any, anything flashy, because like, that's where the heart of life is. And so I'm just so glad that you had that experience and that you shared it. And then three, as you're talking, I'm just reflect, I'm coming to a place of like realizing over the years, like number one, like when children have like parenting is already hard when children have special needs, like parenting is like, then so much comes with such unique challenges that I feel like we don't talk about enough, like as a culture. And then if a parent has had any sort of trauma, like the, then that level of difficulty. So it's like all, all of this is like so challenging just by these incremental layers. And I haven't realized, like I I've been in parenting for 11 years and I'm just sort of like now starting to realize like how it all comes together to, to create something that's really challenging and not stopping at like, Oh, this is challenging, but like it's so challenging and therefore requires like a level of a level of intentionality, like a level of extra support from other specialists, a, a level of knowledge, like to help it come together in a coherent way. So I just hear all of that in what you're saying. It's awesome. Yeah. I, I mean, it, it really feels like uh, there's a, there's a book that I've been reading, which I might actually recommend to you called hold on to your kids by Gordon Newfield. I have it here on my desk. And one of the things he talks about, not in this book, but somewhere else is about parenting as the opportunity for adult maturation that like Mm -hmm. parenting is just like, it's this place where you have like done all this developing and then you're turning towards turning backwards towards younger people. I mean, for some people, this might happen through teaching or through mentoring young people, but you're turning back to, to young, to the next generation and like trying to offer caring to them. And if you like, just the complexity of being able to learn how to do that in a really genuine way that recognizes who's right in front of you. It just, it's been so much incredible growth, not only for my kids, but also for me um, to try to figure that out. And that does really feel like bread and butter of life. And also I love traveling. So still really excited. (laughs) You'll get there. It gets so much easier as the kids get older. You'll get there soon. Okay. So now let's talk about today's topic. We're going to talk about joy Um, This is obviously a major theme of the podcast in terms of being part of our tagline, but we haven't ever spent time to really unpack what it means to us. So I'm really looking forward to doing that today. Let's start with this question. Sarah, what does joy mean to you? This was a really hard question for me to answer. I think in part because it's just so hard to define it with words, particularly because for me, joy is really a feeling. And so when I was trying to think of how to define it, like an image came into my mind, um, you know, like in cartoons or action movies, like they'll, they'll have like a crystal or something that they then have to like align it to the sun and like, they have to like get it in place. And then once it's in place, it uh, puts out this powerful beam of energy do you know what I'm talking about? I yeah, couldn't I like know. think of like a more specific example, 
but that image, like I've definitely seen that in multiple places. And like, to me, that's what joy is like. It's like this alignment between what my heart wants internally and what's happening to me externally when those things just completely line up Hmm. and then it emits this most powerful feeling. So there are times like, and and these two things have to go together because there are times when I should be feeling joy because like one, like the, the sun is, the sun is shining, for example, mm-hmm. and you could look at the sun and be like, oh, the sun is shining. Like you should be experiencing joy, but it's like, it doesn't hit my heart crystal. And so there's actually not joy for me in it, even though externally someone else looking into the situation would think that there's joy. And when that, when that happens, I get a lot of insight into who I am and what mm. brings me joy when I, when I think I should be feeling joy and I'm not. And so I, I never shame myself like, Oh, what's wrong with you. You're not feeling happy when you should feel happy. I'm just like, huh, it seems like that would be something that would bring me joy. Why am I not feeling joy? So I always check in with myself when that happens. And I'm just like, you know, how, how come you weren't into it in just an inquisitive way. And like that process really helps illuminate something about what, what is important to me. Cause I think joy is just a very personal thing. And I think our culture doesn't really set us up to tap into our internal joy. It does a lot to define for us what should make us happy and doesn't teach us. We never learned these skills in school of like how to tap into yourself and find your own joy. Wow. I feel like that's like full of a lot of wisdom. And I think it's really the, the, like the metaphor. And then thinking about when, when that element of like my inability to be experiencing joy and like to unpack, I'm just repeating what you said, but to unpack sort of your experience and to try to figure out, okay, is it that this thing actually doesn't bring me joy? And, or is it that there's something else going in my life on in my life that's keeping me from being you know, in this experience, that's, that's a, such a yeah, powerful cause exercise. I, Cause I talked about it from the perspective of like, oh, there's something wrong with this external thing. That's actually not bringing me joy, but you're right. You could flip it and focus on the crystal and say like, is there something about myself that needs to be like scrubbed off like in order to catch, to catch the joy. And I would say I've had experiences in my life where that was the, where my job was too big. My mm-hmm. job was too hard. And that was a problem with my crystal that what it then wasn't able to catch the sunlight because of a problem that I needed to solve over here. So it totally goes both ways. Sorry to interrupt you. I got excited about what you were saying. No, that, that makes so much sense. Thanks for sharing. What about you? What is your definition of joy? Well, I mean, similar to, I mean, when I start as I don't have a great metaphor, but when I started thinking about this, I immediately started thinking about the life circumstances, like all the times where you can't experience joy, the life circumstances that would make it hard to experience joy, whether it's you're in a season of grief, or maybe you don't have your basic sort of needs met. And you're like, really, you know, constantly trying to think about where your next meal is coming from. But then I realized that actually joy doesn't seem that conditional to me. I mean, there definitely are things that would keep you from being able to be present enough to experience joy, but it seems like there are people in lots of different kinds of life circumstances and contexts around the world that, you know, live in very basic ways or that live in very flashy ways that have very different kinds of lives that are experiencing joy. And so 
when I was thinking about that and then thinking about the difference between joy and happiness, I really feel like joy is something that's much deeper and less like on the surface of life than happiness. And so that was my first insight about it. Um, and then as I kind of was noodling more around with that idea, I think it's really connected to wholeness. So I think that it has to do with like kind of a recognition that encompass that like we can't have joy without sorrow. And there's this kind of balance in life to be able to experience wholeness and to be able to show up in ways that are really present um, and experience joy. There's sort of this like depth dimension um, that involves like, you can't just be trying to get your next happiness hit off of from one thing to the next thing to the next thing. There has to be sort of this deep centeredness. And so that kind of brought me to this idea of like, okay, it has to be about self-acceptance and about presence. And then I saw a quote from Tara Brock that says, joy is an innate capacity, one of the primary expressions of an awakened heart and mind. And I just really loved that idea of like joy being a capacity that we all have access to, no matter what our life experience is, if we can be present in the moment and sort of content enough and not like stuck in this sort of striving energy of our ego, um, to be able to look around and see, like, like we were just talking about with our highs and lows, like to not be looking around and just seeing like, Oh, only if I was in Malaysia, then I would be happy. I would feel joy, but to recognize that there's opportunities for joy, um, even in sort of the small and mundane moments of life. Yeah. I think that exercise that my Reiki healer had me doing, like when I was at a real low point and just feeling very overwhelmed by my work. And she was like, every day, I want you to write down five things that made you happy. And it Mm. really was like reconditioning me to like find the joy because there is always joy. I think if you actually like seek it out and I'm also trying to help my kids. We've talked in a previous episode about like, what are the things we want our kids to learn? I've been trying to help them have somewhat of an appreciation for, and if not appreciation, then at least an acknowledgement for the relationship, like you were talking about between joy and sorrow, because they really are, you can't, you cannot have joy without sorrow because then joy just becomes the sort of like status quo. And it's, then it's not actually joy, I think, because Mm -hmm. I think it's, it's, it's definition in relation to something else that helps you experience it. And I talked to the kids about like one of the best waterfalls we found in Hawaii was like, we had to do this really hard, horrible hike. And I was like, we can't, well, you can't have the waterfall without the hike because in Hawaii, there are beautiful waterfalls without the hike, but then you are just overrun with tourists and it's not actually enjoyable. And so you need this like suffering to get somewhere where there are not other tourists and trying to help them just have that, just have that acknowledgement or that understanding of like life is going to have both things. And so be more patient with the sorrow as it comes, um, having an appreciation for it, but then also like seeking out the joy purposefully, even when you are in those moments of sorrow. Yeah, that's so good. It's, it seems so true to me. Cause I think even like when our, in terms of even thinking about that with younger kids, like when our kids were really young, 
we used to like just sort of immediately try to fix things when they were crying instead of letting them have their like full emotional experience and just empathizing and being with them. We would try to be like, oh, well, how about this? Or how about this? Like to distract them or whatever. But as you know, we've done all this work and really kind of rethought the values of our parenting. We're like, oh no, we actually want them to be able to like really, really be sad about the fact that they can't have the second cookie. And like, we want to empathize with them. We don't want to distract them. We want to let them experience that. Cause I think there's something about just being able to, and you know, not that we wouldn't occasionally help them move on, but like, there's something about being able to like really experience both loss, sorrow, disappointment. I think that like, kind of like carves out your inner being to be able to experience joy then in a much more deeper mm-hmm. and meaningful way. It's like the independence thing. It's like, you can't actually be independent if you don't feel secure and you actually can't feel joy. If you can't learn how to like totally feel and release your sorrow. Yes. So many two sides of the same coin in this episode. Okay. So let's keep talking about it and move on to the next question. Um, Tell us a story about a recent experience that you had of deep joy in your life. So one of our last nights in Hilo, we were driving down the, there's a long rural road that leads Mm. to our Airbnb and it's just farmland. And the full moon was shining over the ocean. It was the third full moon that we got to see in Hilo. And I love just marking our time by seeing the full moons because they just Mm. hang over the ocean and you could see the reflection in the water. And you could tell that we were all like feeling really nostalgic that we were getting ready to leave Hilo soon. There was a lot of like bitter sweetness in our conversations. Um, and we had this little ritual of putting down the windows and letting the boys take off their seatbelts and hang out the windows. And we would just like, um, sing at the top of our lungs, like put on a really good song and just like feel the ocean breeze and see the moon And then Henry and I have this like little side ritual because we're on the, we sit on the same side of the car. So we would both put our hands out the window and then hold hands for a second. And I would squeeze it three times to say, I love you. So on this particular night, we were doing all of that stuff and then just dancing and we were just all in the best mood together. And the boys were cracking jokes and they were legitimately like making me laugh out loud, like as a peer, like the humor, like I would, I I wasn't like, Oh, you're so cute. You're a kid. That's really funny. It was like just hilarious stuff. (laughs) And we were all just coming up with really cool ideas for like inventions or what we're going to do when we settle back down and just singing and dancing. And so I just, in that moment just felt so much joy to just have this opportunity to have that kind of closeness with my family and to have that kind of excitement of new places and new adventure. Um, but just to be enjoying each other. I love that. That's making me smile. Just hearing your story. What about you? What's your story? So the thing that came to mind first, and it's interesting, there are nature, nature themes in both of these, because I think often nature is a source of connection for our family, but the girls and I and Nathan went for a walk in the forest a few days ago, sometime last week, 
And we were looking at leaves and I've been I've mentioned, I've been thinking a lot about fall and just sort of the transition of the seasons because the leaves are really changing right now in Arkansas. And so we were just kind of talking about that and talking about harvest and planting and Sugi's name in Canada is the Canada word for harvest. And so we were talking mm-hmm. about fall and the seasons and she got this idea, which she often does of wanting to make some nature-based crafts. And so we were like walking around collecting different kinds of acorns and other kinds of like nuts and seeds and leaves and sticks. And she started like comparing them and asking like all these questions about like, why do these acorns look different than the acorns from this tree? And why are these ones bigger? And why are these ones browner? And oh, this one looks like a grape. I bet the squirrels get so confused thinking that it's a shiny grape, a shiny brown grape. And like, she just had so many like really um, just pure questions and observations about the natural world. And I just felt really connected both to the earth and the kids and to Nithin, um, just sort of being like out in this beautiful forest with like Sugi was wearing a dress that had pockets and literally like all of our pockets were just full of her forest findings. As we were walking back, her pockets were like heaping with like little acorns and nuts and sticks sticking out of them. And um, it was just a really sweet, precious grounded present moment for our family. So that's what came to mind for me. I love that so much. And it's just such a reminder, like kids do not need to travel far from home just to experience wonder and to experience joy. Like I see like Instagram quotes about that all the time. And it's so true. Cause my kids keep being like, Can we just go home now. Do we have to keep traveling? Um, and so I just love that like a story of being close to home, just experiencing joy and wonder. Okay. And so now for our next question, what most often gets in the way of your ability to live a life that's rooted in this kind of deep joy? I can't tell if it's from my childhood trauma or from the high functioning autism that I might have, or like whether those two things are connected as we've talked Mm -hmm. about before, but I tend to go through life with a very particular vision of how I want things to go. And if things don't go that way, I can get pretty aggravated by it. And I think that reaction of aggravation, when my vision isn't coming to fruition, like that really leeches joy out of my life. So it'll happen about the smallest things. Like I'll come home from a walk and Matt will have both boys on screens and, you know, Tate's coding a video game and Henry's watching a YouTube video about something crafty or creative. And so Matt will like, think it's good for the kids because it's like engaging their minds. But like, I can just get so mad about that. Cause I'm like, do I have to stay home in order for our boys? Like not to just be on screens all the time. Mm -hmm. And it makes me feel like I carry so much of the burden and like, it's like one little thing, like, will then like cascade to all these other feelings for me. Like all the reason I care so much about screen time is because I'm the one who spent so much time, like learning about child development. And then I feel frustrated that I'm the one doing all of that work. And then I have to do even more work. If I want the boys to not be on their screens all the time, because if I just leave, then that's what Matt defaults to. And then all I wanted to do is like, go on a walk to take care of myself in the first place. So it's like something, something small can like balloon into something bigger, but I'm trying to help myself understand that like things don't have to go according 
to my vision, like every second of every day in order to feel like they're still going according to the vision overall, because I, I like being a person who has a vision for something and can, can bring that into fruition. Cause that gives me a lot of efficacy and helps me feel safe in a lot of ways to mm-hmm. counteract what my childhood felt like, but it doesn't mean that every single piece of it has to go according to that plan every single time. Like we can still be a family where there's lots of creativity and hands-on learning. And yet the Matt has the boys on their screens when I would not want them to be on their screens. Like it's not really worth losing my joy, um, for that moment. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense based on kind of what you've talked about in the past. And also just, I think any kind of like reactivity to anything just like you can't be being reactive and experiencing joy at the same time. And so that, that makes sense. And I also just like really feel you on that tension of like, how can I believe or hope or assume that my partner, my kids are doing the best they can, even when they're not necessarily sort of doing what we had talked about as an expectation, but then like, so I want to really believe that you know, have unconditional positive regard and an open heart. But at the same time, it's like, how do we also move things in a direction that feels good for everyone? Because it's those, those things feel intention in my life a lot. So I really, um, get that, get that dynamic. What about you? What gets in your way of feeling joy? So I think I kind of had two. One was my desire to think things through. Like I really can get just lost in the weeds of like thinking and planning sometimes. And the other is my desire to just try to fit too many things in my life. I think I've really, through kind of grappling with the definition, I think I really landed on this idea that like presence is required in order to really experience joy and if I'm either just like stuck in my head thinking about what's next or thinking about something else that's unrelated to the current moment, or if I'm just too busy, I can't be present to the moment. Yeah. That's why it's a common constant theme in your life. Yes. Okay. And for our final question, what are two shifts that you can make or have already made to prioritize more opportunities to center joy in your life? For this one, I chose to pick things that I already do. This is a skill. My leadership coach has been trying to instill in me, which is like, when you want to make a change, like first start by focusing on what you are already do well, Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that you can yeah. like underline that and underscore that and like build from that instead of constantly focusing on what you want to change or grow. So these are things I already do that I just want to keep doing. And it was hard for me to just pick two, because I feel like I've had to do so much to wrestle joy into my life. Uh, I would say that the first thing I had to do is just make shifts at work. And that process literally took years, like eight years. I tried so many different strategies over the years, so many different sets of goals, put so many different habits into the streaks app, like did so much with my leadership coach. Then I added in a therapist. Then I added in a Reiki healer and it Mm -hmm. took like working with all three of those 
people to finally shift it into something that was able to optimize joy. And that was really hard um, to do. And then Matt also had to drop down to part-time work to make enough space in our life for the, my big job. Um, so that was huge for bringing about more joy in my life because work is just such an essential part. And, and there's, I have friends who don't define work as a central part of their lives. But for me, yeah. it's just like how I spend my days and how I, so much of my brain energy is taken up by it. And it's how I try to do good in the world. So it matters a lot to me, like how it feels and how I'm experiencing it. Um, the second thing I do is take time to think about and plan what would bring me joy and then check in with myself to make sure that it actually brought me joy so that I strengthen my ability to bring joy into my life in mm. a cyclical way. So like in the beginning half of the year, I thought that I would really enjoy camping with my friends and having a dinner party with my friends and dancing for my birthday. So I then made time to like plan those things and make them happen. And then those were two things that really helped me to soak it all in, which was one of my big priorities for this year before we left for our trip. So the act of writing things down really makes a difference for me. And I've been really dogged, like during this trip about writing down every wisp of a thing that might make me happy when we settle down after traveling. Cause I feel like we're in a big life transition right now. And so I am trying to collect like, well, what's going to make me happy when we get back and we settle and we're not traveling. And so I've, I already like have written all those down and stored them so that when we settle down, I feel like I'm actually going to have a pretty big head start on living a life of joy because I've been collecting these ideas in advance and figuring out how to make them happen and not just waiting until we settle in. That's awesome. And I think, you know, if there's anyone that's listening, that just feels like they're trying to think about the last time they really had one of these little glimmers of joy and you can't think of something in the last few weeks. Like I do really think that that practice of like the writing it down, what has happened during the day and noticing, and then being able to plan that into your schedule is like just so incredibly rich. So thank you for sharing that. What about you? So my first one is just the process of doing sort of the inner work that we've been talking about and alluding to throughout this episode to reduce sort of just the noise and reactivity and busyness of my mind that I feel like so much gets in the way of being able to really be present, especially in the context of parenting, which is just such a busy season in life. So that's my first one. My second one has been, this is kind of almost more of like something I'm still working on. And that is that I think I think I used to have a perception that to recharge my energy, like that meant alone time for me because as, and I just thought that's true for all introverts. But I think that part of what was missing in that framework was sort of the openness and ability to really have deeper, more connected relationships with really close friends. And as I've been really trying to intentionally invest in some of those relationships in the last couple of years, I've really started to notice that I do actually like 
the joy of the deep comfort that I feel in relationship and in connection with people actually is also fueling to me similar to how alone time can also fuel me like a hike alone in nature or something like that. And so I've been trying to sort of do a process of really noticing like what kinds of interactions with other people seem to add energy and feel joyful. And then what are kinds of interactions that, you know, I feel like do are more of me giving out energy um, so that I can try to have balance in sort of how I'm filling my tank and how I'm giving back to the world. Um, and that process too, I think is creating opportunities for joy. Cause I'm, I'm realizing that some of these things that I used to always just think are like people, like it just kind of drain me, isn't actually draining me. It's, it's joyful and it's fueling me in that way. So that's been sort of a paradigm shift that I've just sort of been making, but I'm not, I don't feel like I'm fully there yet in terms of really knowing myself very well on that front. That makes a lot of sense. And it's reminding me of this recent episode I listened to of the lazy genius podcast about how she goes ahead and carves out time. Like she'll say like, I am going to have lunch with a friend every week at this time on this day. And then she doesn't even like plan who the, who it is necessarily, but just like carving out that time. Mm. I'm wondering if like lunchtime, like having lunch, I feel like lunches are like underutilized in us culture because we're conditioned to like not even take lunch breaks, but it'd be interesting if like going out to lunch with one of these friends would be really energizing and a way to like fit it into your day-to-day without taking time away from your family even. Yeah, that is really interesting. I think that's another thing I need to add to my sort of tracking is the modality of spending time with these different people. Cause I've been really enjoying after my kids go to bed once or twice a week, going and spending time with a friend sitting out at a fire or having a drink or something, but like more, um, or just like going to their house, but more just like one-on-one, not like where I can wear sweatpants if I want to, or yoga Mm -hmm. pants, like those Mm -hmm. very casual kinds of um, yeah. spaces. That and so it'd be nice. interesting to balance, like to think about that versus restaurant during lunch where I'm more rushed, you know? So I don't, I don't know, but I'm excited to learn more about it. Yeah. And it gets, as your kids get older and their bedtimes get later, it gets harder. Okay. So that's it for today's topic. Comment on our Instagram or send us an email to let us know what brings you true joy. So now it's time for our tips and tricks segment. Sarah, what do you want to share? It's not particularly trendy. It's actually very old and most people probably already know about this, but I love the spot it game. I find it really fun. And it's also, um, I think just such a good mind exercise, both for me as an adult who's like getting older and needs to keep my mind in tip top shape so I can ward off dementia, but also for the boys as they are developing their minds. So I really like that game. Yeah. It's so fun. Thanks for sharing. What about you? I, we got a trampoline a couple of months ago and I promised the girls that we would have a sleepover at it on it at some point. Cause I remember doing that as a kid and like loving to sleep underneath the stars, you know, no tent or anything. It's yeah. just like really comfortable also to sleep on a trampoline. And so we had last weekend, we had our first of what I'm sure will become many 
trampoline sleepovers and it was just so cozy and endearing and it was really cool to be able to like look up at the stars all night um I just I don't sleep just like under this raw sky yeah very often and doing it on a trampoline is you know a really easy um and fun thing so would recommend I love that so much. I haven't even, I think I've only slept under the stars, like the raw sky, like once in my life, honestly, now that I'm thinking about it. And I loved it when I did it. It's incredible. And like being on the trampoline where, I mean, our trampoline has like one of the nets. So you don't have to like worry that much about, I mean, there weren't bugs. Like there's nothing, there's no reason not to sleep out there. It's incredible. It was like a full moon too. It was really beautiful. And we have, we've put a trampoline on our list of our, like, what's going to bring us joy when we settle down and we're going to, um, make it a ground level trampoline. So we're going to like dig a big hole and put our trampoline in it. So it will just be at the ground level, which I'm really excited to try. Yeah. That's cool. I've seen those too. Awesome. Okay. So now let's close out our episode with facing forward. Sarah, how did you do on your intentions from the last two weeks? So what new intentions do you want to set for yourself in the next two weeks? I was trying to soak up the best of what Hilo had to offer and to say goodbye to everyone and just try to show a lot of gratitude to everyone for hosting us and welcoming us into their city. So I was able to do that. We had to do a major budget reconciliation, which was not fun. And we realized we way overspent while we were in Hawaii. So we had to basically subtract it out from the next nine months or 10 months and kind of lower our budget to make up for the money that we lost. And then I needed to stay ahead with our travel planning. Just it's like, we're getting into the, the fast travel is a lot harder to keep up with. Like, is the flight actually booked? Is it booked for the right day? Is the Airbnb mm. booked for the right day? Where are we going to get breakfast that day? Like, so it's just a lot to stay on top of. So I've been doing that. And then in the next two weeks, I really just want to enjoy Malaysia and Singapore because I've never been to either of those countries. And while we're doing this fast travel, I want to help everyone take care of their nervous systems as much as possible. Cause I'm just realizing what a big thing this is in our family. And then I just want to balance like, cause I know I'm still working. So balancing the work, my work with my time for daily walks and trying to get exercise in, uh, even while we're traveling. Hmm. That all sounds great. What about you? So for the last two weeks, I was going to plan, finish planning the travel details for our upcoming trip to India, which I have not completed, but I have had a lot of really good conversations with Nathan around sort of the dynamics of in-laws and trying to figure out, do we stay at their house? Do we not stay at their house? How many people do we need to bring gifts for? Like we've been really sort of like hashing out some of the details about what our hopes are for traveling with our children at this age to spend time with family when we know that it's just going to be really overwhelming and different for them to be hearing a different language all the time. So I think we're moving in the right direction on that. It just hasn't been quite as clear cut as I thought it might be, Um, but have been making progress. And then we did celebrate Desera and um, have friends over for a big fall meal, which was wonderful. And in the next two weeks, I'm currently actually attending a conference. So I'm going to focus on that this week. Um, and then 
I am going to finalize our India trip plans. And I'm getting really excited. I've been starting to track airfare for the summer of 2023 to try to book another significant trip for us in July of next year. And then there's been some stuff happening with Sydney at school that I've been needing to support. And so I'm hoping to sort of nail down some additional supports for some of the teachers and just for the context of what she needs and try to get more clarity on that. So I've got to dedicate some time in the next two weeks to that. And then lastly, I have completed the registration for the Empowered to Connect training that I'm going to be doing, but I need two recommendations from people. So I'm going to make sure that I get those submitted on time so that I can sign up to do that in January. Awesome. And I, I think it's such an interesting, like, we, cause we did our vacation planning episode, like at the beginning of this year. And we kind of said at that time, like, this isn't actually when we would plan our vacations. Cause like, you kind of want to stay even farther ahead. Mm-hmm. And I think interestingly, like this October is a great time to be planning summer before the holidays hit before Thanksgiving. And if you celebrate Christmas, it's like those winter holidays start to get so overwhelming. And yet now is a good time to be booking, you know, Airbnbs or to be starting to, to watch flights. So listeners don't feel overwhelmed by that mention, but if you want to get started on your summer vacation planning now could be a good time. Yeah. And I just like love the process of looking forward to it and planning out the details. And so like, if I book the airfare now, that's just one thing. And then if I book in December or you know January, maybe I start working on the Airbnbs and the itinerary. And then I just get to like savor the process for longer. So would rec- like, would recommend it all depends on what kind of person you are. Planning. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> well, that's it for this episode of so connected. We'll be back in two weeks on Tuesday. In the meantime, you can find our show notes at so connected podcast.com, or you can find us on Instagram at so connected podcast. You can find me Sarah on my blog at feeding And if you enjoyed this podcast, we would be so grateful for your review on Apple podcast to help spread the word. See you in two weeks, wishing you joy, purpose, and community between now and then.